last time we had devotion, we heard about the Emmaus disciples. Now they walked all the way to Emmaus and then realized the guy who had been talking to them and teaching them how the Old Testament proved that Jesus would rise from the dead was actually Jesus the whole time. And then when they saw that, they were like, what? And then they went all the way back to, to Jerusalem. And I like to imagine that they probably ran all the way back. It doesn't say that, but... It was already getting to be nighttime. It was almost nighttime, so they probably wanted to hurry. If that's true, if they walked to Emmaus and then ran back, they did more than a half marathon. A little bit. They basically had a half marathon that day. There were a lot of races on Easter. We also heard about John and Peter racing each other to the tomb. I like to imagine, imagine if you were like a person just like hanging out. Maybe you're like taking a nap on this path between the tomb and Jerusalem. Why you would see you do like that? women coming one way and then they probably ran back. And you see Peter and John running back. What? Everyone's, well, they're excited. Everyone's leaving Jerusalem. Yeah, but why would you sleep on I don't know, maybe the guy's just hanging out there. And he just like sees these people coming and they run back. And they run over and they go back. And then these people run over. It's all kinds of running going on because they're excited. They have really good news. So anyway, they get back to Jerusalem and they go to the upper room where the disciples are all gathered. And we heard about this. They're all talking. Like, Peter saw him. Mary saw him. And the Emmaus disciples say, we saw him too. He walked with us and he taught us all these things from the scriptures. And then he appeared again. They were in this room and the doors were locked. They were, why do you think the doors were locked in the room they were in? Because of the Pharisees. Yeah, the leaders of the Jews. The disciples were afraid of them. They were afraid that they might try to come in and arrest them and kill them too. Which, if you've just seen Jesus, is like... Well, not all of them had seen Jesus. And even the ones who had, maybe also still had doubts. Well, they should. They shouldn't, but that's kind of like the nature of being a human being. Our sinful flesh always doubts. Because we're dumb. Yeah. <clears throat> so, anyway... They had seen the Jewish leaders, right, take Jesus, arrest him, lie about him, and crucify him. So from that standpoint, they kind of did have a reason to be afraid of them, right? Well, so the doors are locked, and all of a sudden, Jesus comes into the midst of them. It doesn't tell us how, but I suppose it had to be one of two things. Either he walked through the walls. Or he just appeared. Or he just appeared out of thin air. Yeah, because that and several other things show us that, that Jesus... He, after his resurrection, he's glorified. He doesn't live by the same rules anymore. He can do whatever he wants. However, he did still have a body. And he, that was one of the first things he showed the disciples. He said, don't be afraid. They thought it was a ghost. He says, don't be afraid. There was another time they thought he was a ghost. He was walking to them on the water, and they're like, oh, no, it's a ghost. We're afraid. Right? And he said, take heart. It's I. Don't be afraid. This time, he said, don't be afraid. And that had several meanings. So, first of all, he keeps saying to them, peace to you, peace to you. That was a normal way to say hello among the Jews. But it's also a message that your sins are forgiven. Peace. There's peace with, between you and God. There's peace between you and me. I've conquered death. It's all finished. It's all over. But then he also says, don't be afraid. I'm not a ghost. Here, I'll prove it to you. And he, he's like, you guys got any food here? And they give him some food and he eats it. Now, do you think Jesus, after he rose from the dead, needed to eat food? No, no but he no. still could. And he but did to show was, them that he, he was a person. If he was a ghost, it would just fly right through his exactly. butt. Exactly, right. He, yeah. Unless it was ghost. he wouldn't have a butt. <laughs> he wouldn't have one, right? He would just, yeah. 
It's like the it's like the it's like the joke about uh you heard this joke? What if he was skeleton hold on. Skeleton walked into a bar and he ordered a drink and a mop. He's gonna take a drink and it's all gonna go on the floor, so he's gonna mop it up. So, um the other thing Jesus did is he showed them his hands and his side. Why did he show them his hands and his side, Samara? Because they told him. Yeah. To show them that it was really him. Not only is he a real person, not a ghost, but it's really Jesus. They could say, oh yeah, that's where the nails went in. That's where the spear went in. And this is so interesting. Like, okay, let's say that somebody came and showed you like a gaping, bleeding wound in their hand or their side. Would you find that comforting? No. Or like happy? I, I no. find it comforting. You would not find it comforting. You would find it disgusting. But Jesus' wounds, they were real wounds. We'll see in a little bit. You could even put your finger into them. But I'm sure they weren't gaping, bleeding like sores, right? They showed that it was really him who had paid the price for sin, who had suffered for the sins of the world, but that he had conquered. He didn't have to have those holes in his hands or side anymore. He could have healed his body from those holes. He chose to keep them in order to show them that it was him. So these are the signs of his victory. These are the signs of the payment that was made. So the disciples see this. Jesus says, peace to you. And then he said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And he breathed on them. That too showed that he wasn't a ghost. But it also emphasized that he was sending them the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's a power that he's given. We say this in the catechism. This is the special authority that Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners. Who's, what's a repentant sinner? What's that? Something. What do you think, Etta? It's a person who repents from their sins. What does it mean to repent from your sins? Uh, like to be, like to humble yourself. Be sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Want to change? Yeah, Samara, what are you going to say? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then the disciples tell Thomas about this because Thomas wasn't there. We don't know why he wasn't there. Maybe Thomas was going to the toilet. Well, he, wasn't, he wasn't there with them that night. Like at all. He was just gone. We, like, I don't know why. So they tell him later, they're like, we saw Jesus. He appeared in the midst of us. And Thomas said, there's no way. He says, unless I put my finger into the holes in his hands and put my hand into the hole in his side, I will never, ever believe that it was really Jesus. Now, one thing that's interesting is that the, the gospel writer that tells us about this is John. And when John tells us about Thomas saying this, he mentions specifically that Thomas was also called Didymus. Didymus? Didymus, Didymus is a Greek word for Didymus. identical twin. Didymus. It means like copy, basically. Right? It could also be used for twin in general, I think, but the word itself indicates like you look the same. Right? That's the whole point. So Thomas appears to have been an identical twin. Which is probably intentionally part of the reason that Thomas was so set on not believing. He doesn't want to get fooled. He thinks you guys got fooled. Maybe there was a doppelganger who thinks. Because if you're an identical twin, you know a thing or two about fooling people and, and about who's yeah, but who. Who's his identity? It never tells us. He's apparently not one of Jesus' disciples. Right? 
So this is maybe part of what's going on with Thomas. Anyway, the next week, all right, so it's Sunday again. They're gathered in the room again. And Jesus, I think the doors are locked again because they're still afraid of the Jews, even though Jesus has shown himself to them again. This time, Thomas is there. And again, Jesus appears in the midst of them. And he says the same thing, peace to you. That includes Thomas. Even despite Thomas's doubts and sins, Jesus says, peace, your sins are forgiven. And then he says to Thomas, Thomas, reach out your finger and put it in the hole in my hand. And take your hand and reach it out and put it in the hole in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. See how Jesus was gentle with Thomas, despite his doubts, to strengthen his faith? That's really important for us. Actually, Thomas' doubt gives us confidence. His doubt was changed to faith, which gives us confidence in knowing that his witness that Jesus was risen from the dead really was true. Now, it's interesting, too. According to church tradition, which is not the same as the Bible, we don't know for sure that church tradition is true. Some of it is wild and likely not true. Some of it might be true. But according to church tradition, Thomas is the apostle who went to India. He made it all the way to modern-day India, like where Uncle Matt was a missionary, and Thomas was a missionary there, and he got, he got killed for preaching about Jesus, according to church tradition. But that also shows us Thomas knew for sure that Jesus was risen from the dead, and we get to believe through his word. Now, Jesus said something important to Thomas also for us, so he doesn't want us to think, you think it would be pretty cool if you were there in that upper room and you got to see Jesus? If he told you, you could put your finger in my hand. Would you do it? No. <laughs> we don't actually know whether Thomas did or not. Because when Jesus said that to him, it doesn't say that he did it. It says he fell down and he said, my Lord and my God. Maybe, maybe. I don't think he actually had to do it. He saw him. And Jesus saying that also proved to Thomas that he knew what Thomas had been saying the week before. Right? Anyway, so Jesus said, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So we might look at Thomas and say, whoa, Thomas and the apostles, they were really lucky. They got to see Jesus alive so they could be confident that he was risen from the dead. Jesus is saying, you have something better. When you have faith that Jesus rose from the dead, even without seeing him, that faith is a gift from God through the Bible, through the scriptures. That faith is an even better thing than seeing him with your own eyes but you also will see him with your own eyes one day. When you see Jesus on Judgment Day and then in heaven, do you think he'll still have holes in his hand and in his side? No. I don't know. He might. Maybe. Revelation describes Jesus as a lamb who looks as though he had been slain. How, is a, how does a lamb look as though he had been slain? Oh, Jesus. Perfect. Perfect when he came back to them. So yeah, I'm saying it's, a purely, it's purely a choice on his part, right? And I, I think it's entirely possible that he for sure. I don't know for sure that he will.